Day two, Radio Row, NFL Combine, Indianapolis. What's up? What's happening? Craig Hoffman with you on the Hoffman Show, where we're streaming live on the free Odyssey app and on YouTube as well. And Ben Standing is with us off the top of the show. How are you, sir? Well, that bite you just dropped where I say yeah. I feel like I'm 100 because you guys didn't know Days and Confused. Yeah. I feel that physically. 100 da- days dazed, confused or all of the above? Well, but yeah, I feel 100 and I have Days and Confused. This is day four for me here. Uh, obviously, it's covering football, so it's fun. This isn't real work, but it's a lot on your. It's a lot. Going well, I feel on. like this is also like this is your. I was like, oh, this is Ben Standig's place. Like this is where he thrives. But like, you've done such a good job over the years of like getting into the information exchange business and, and breaking news and getting to know agents. And like, this is the place where you build that stuff. So I'd imagine this is a very busy week for you. <laughs> there is that. You know, obviously, we would all whether Washington was picking second or twelve or twenty six. We're all curious what's going to happen. But when it's two and it's quarterbacks, it is right. relentless. Plus, because, like, everybody is off them. It's not just us locally. Everybody's talking about them. So, like, the, the idea of trying to find information on that is, I think it adds a bit more. So, I want to circle back to the second. I will let the audience know. We were originally scheduled to have Ian Rappaport from NFL Network on to join the show today uh, right off the top. He got pulled into something. We're going to talk with Ian, I think, next week. Um, so, if you tuned in for that, that is uh, that is not going to happen today. But uh, we do have a bunch of great guests throughout the show, starting with Ben right now. And actually, I'm curious to ask you a question that I was going to ask Ian as someone who trades in this information space. And obviously, I'm not being like, all right, Ben, tell us all your sources and how it's all going. But like regime to regime here and you've covered multiple Washington regimes now and and now with Quinn and Peters in this era like one when you talk to people around the league how different are the conversations and two like how different is it getting information out of this buttoned up seemingly professional uh, operation versus the varying uh, levels of professionalism we've seen in Washington over the last three decades (laughs) right well I will say to this regime like I think the Ben Johnson situation is a good example of how they have been good about keeping information tight. I think one of the things that happened with that Ben Johnson situation was they weren't talking. And I remember, like, as the the noise kept getting louder and louder, I'm like, I don't know where this is coming from. And I'm not saying that I have all the answers, but then I would pay attention to what other reporters, even national reporters, were saying. And they were like, nah, there's not much. But because there was this vague Ben Johnson, it then intensified because it was the only thing out there so my point is to say that they have done a pretty good job i mean i don't think there's any any there's no been real speculation about what they're going to do if it is drake mayor or jay Daniels, who would they pick do they want to trade up for one so i think that's been a challenge i mean good for them from a if you're a fan of the team you want them to right. just keep it we all quiet. want information but we also don't want it because that means <laughs> it's leaky and that everyone else knows too right right right, right. Yeah. and what was sorry what was your uh well, just like also, you know, I experienced this for years, right? It, it, when I was on the beat and I would come here and, you know, you, you meet people. Sure. And especially at that oh, point, I was younger in my career, vibe, yeah. right? And it's like, oh, uh, who are you? I'm Craig. I cover Washington. And they just give you that. Oh, how's that going? And you're like, it's well as you think it is. What are those conversations like this year for you? Well, you know, to be honest, like when, right, when you would have that conversation, it was a, I, I'm not a big fan of small talk. So <laughs> this was a great icebreaker. You can immediately come in with any kind of joke you want. You know, how's life going? Well, I cover the Washington Commander, so, you know, yeah. how good do you think things are going? You know, right. um, But, yeah, generally speaking, it has all been much more positive. You know, that's why, again, just to go back, 
to the Ben Johnson thing, people were viewing it as like a, a negative that they, you know, that the A didn't get the guy and how it all went. And I was like, I think this is, again, an example of things that were beyond, either A, beyond their control or misperception. Um, obviously, and here's the other thing. People were like, oh, they couldn't get Ben Johnson. They got Adam Peters. They got the guy who was the number one GM draft pick to, to, to pick them. He didn't even take other interviews. That says a lot about this group. And the fact that Josh Harris has been an owner is still an owner, obviously, in other leagues, but he's already been an owner before doing this. You know, there is a track record there. This isn't as we see with guys like David Tepper, like Dan Snyder, who hadn't done any of this before. And they come in like, oh, my God, what a toy I have. How do we do this? And that's where you, you, you tend to see things go more haywire. So, yeah, in general, I think they're pretty good. I, like, with free agency coming up, I don't – there won't be free agents going, I don't want to play in Washington because of it. They are crazy. It'll just be, you know <laughs> – I don't but, but more money somewhere else or more money. Fit, yeah, or, maybe they're a couple years away. I'm a little older. Right. I win now. Yeah, right. Right. The it's normal football the, stuff. Yeah, exactly. Uh, ben standing of the athletic with us live here in Indianapolis on radio row at the NFL combine. So the, I've taped a couple of our interviews already for today and some stuff that we'll uh, play for the audience on Friday, Ben. And I think the kind of one of the themes that's emerged for me today is I am less convinced that those top five 100 picks, they're going to pick in those spots. I, I do feel like there's going to be some movement, and it seems like there are more people that are open to even trading either up or down from two. Nevertheless, what you could do, uh, maybe getting back into the first round with some of those other picks. Like What, what have you heard? Uh, and then also kind of where do you personally sit on that? Because as we've talked about, I don't know Washington knows. So anything we're hearing is just kind of like, the value of those things around the league, but you hear a lot of that stuff. So we're comboing of your own personal opinion and, and the knowledge that you have. Where do you sit on that? So, you know, for me personally, I, I like when you have a pick that you can trade down uh, that makes sense for you, not just because it's any kind of a value pick, but just like the idea that uh, it's in a certain range or, you know, whatever. So they have like two picks at the beginning of the second round. I like the idea of taking one of those picks, especially if the other, if these quarterbacks fall a little bit, the Michael Penix, the Bo Nix, and people are interested, because that's where you can get people to say, I'll give a little, a little more perhaps, and then constantly have each adding more to each year. So right now, like we talk about how many picks they have this year. Right. But now you can you add more to next year's? And if you can continue to do that year over year, you're always going to be ahead of the curve. And then when there's those opportunities for you to take, three picks and decide to move up right now you have that uh ammunition so yeah i would probably imagine we'll, we'll, they would pick some trades um again that's what's so fascinating though about this group we don't know adam peters we can people can speculate all they want he's not actually done he's not been in the main seat before maybe he's, and when he was in the second seat they did everything in san francisco they traded up they traded back they traded you know picks for the future they got picks now like they did everything right they were aggressive in free agency they found value plays etc so we don't know what, what what he wants and then same thing with josh harris like does he put his thumb on the scale here at some point and say hey i, I kind of want do more to, to to fans are not happy you know with not that it's his fault but they haven't had no winning record since 2016 no playoffs since 2005 or no playoff wins since 2005 let's what can we do to, to get going more now who, who 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 can say? But yeah, I mean, I would imagine Harris is an outside the box thinker. You mentioned Peters came from San Fran, 
who was not afraid to be aggressive. So uh, it, it, it won't stun me at all if they are a team that's moving around, whether that's up or back, we'll see. But I, I, I would be kind of surprised if they didn't do something like that. How split has opinion been amongst the people that you've talked to out here about the quarterbacks? Uh, I'm going to go one through four now. I've heard enough people are at least willing to say that McCarthy is closer to Daniels than Daniels is to May. Um, that I feel like I need to include him in this discussion and potentially even for Washington. Like, how varied have you gotten opinions on Caleb through J.J. McCarthy? Yeah, I, I, uh, it's about a week or so ago when I started hearing that J.J. McCarthy was closer to the top three than the perception was uh, being discussed. I don't know if we're ready to say he's in the mix for two. But in terms of just being somewhere in the top 10, I do, you know, if you said to me, oh, you know, would you bet there will be four quarterbacks in the top 10 or not? I think I would kind of bet it. Because even if, yeah. even if Giants at six, Titans at seven, Falcons at eight pass, you've got the, you got the Jets at 10 just in case they want somebody younger for Rodgers. 11 Vikings, 12, uh, 12 Broncos, 13 Raiders. I could By see- the way, just, just to put a pin in that, McCarthy who I, I have no problem with uh, him grounding before games and taking the shoes off and the barefoot stuff. But you get you get that with Rodgers. <laughs> what a quarterback in New York. Ben, how do we make this happen? What manipulation do we need to do to get J.J. McCarthy and his zen, grounded, feet in the grass with Aaron Rodgers, his ayahuasca, and whatever else Aaron Rodgers does? Right. I don't know if there's like a, a spiritual channel on the uh, some streamer, but the, 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 that, that would be a good uh, – that, that could be a good sponsor. Amazing. God, I can't believe they wasted hard knocks on the Jets last year. <laughs> anyway, uh, I was asking you a much more important question. Yeah, no, no, it's important. Um, so, yeah, I mean, so I, I, I could see four of them going – um, in the top 10. But in terms of the May and Daniels thing, I do think it's interesting, right? So if you look at the public big boards, your Dane Bruglers, our guy, people like that, most of them seem to have Drake May ahead of Jaden Daniels. I saw Mel Kuyper had a new mock draft where he had Daniels to May 3 in his mock. But okay, seems to be that way. But when I but with like from a passion standpoint, I feel like I get more people passionate about saying Jaden Daniels now versus me. Now that may be because he, what you just watched, was more impressive. His last season wins the Heisman, obviously. Whereas Drake May was a little more. Well, it wasn't as smooth. He had some rough games here and there, and partly because he didn't have as much help at Carolina this past year, similar to the way Sam Howell didn't. His last year, they had a lousy defense, things like that. So, I, I think there's, a, I think there's a, a, there's a lot to like physically, athletically. With Drake May, he's got the size, like 6'4". He looks like people have made like, the athletic comparisons to like a Justin Herbert. So I think there's a lot there, but uh, I, I, he hasn't played a lot also. He, I mean, he started the last two years. He's, he's played half the games that Jaden Daniels has in college, and maybe that's almost goes against Jaden Daniels. I was going to say, I until, feel like that can cut both ways. Right, because until this last year, he was you know, we wouldn't be talking about him other than maybe like a day three Take, right. a, take a flyer. So um, I, I think that is just a really interesting battle. And it's, I think a lot's going to, you know, I mean, obviously this is all projection, but it's going to come a lot to, you know, what your system is, what do you think makes the most sense? Even here, Kayla, uh, Drake Mays at Carolina played essentially a system that was similar to what Cliff Kingsbury has done right. historically. On the other hand, Jaden Daniels' dual threat sort of ability, some people think is the better fit for what a Cliff Kingsbury team would be where does cliff kingsbury think about this well that's obviously 
what we or all want Or is he just know. like, I worked with the guy that I actually want last year. What do we have to do to trade up to one? I'm going yeah. to go knock on Adam's door every day until he does it. Yeah, um, I think it's fascinating. I think what Paul said about, you know, the fact the fact that we're going to have clarity on this before March 10th, I think, is huge, too. Like, I mean, if, if we know basically that Washington, and this hasn't happened in years, where you have, like, remember they used to negotiate the quarterback contracts before, before it was all slotted? Yeah. Right? Like, there were years that you would know the first two picks because those guys had basically signed contracts. Like, they had agreed to terms before the draft, and... You know, if there's no mystery about it, we could know by April if and, and I'm sure that Peters will try to keep it close to the vest in case some team wants to throw some crazy offer out there. But we could kind of know that it's one guy or the other because Washington or because Chicago is going to either trade fields or not. Assuming they don't, we know they're going to draft Caleb. And then all of a sudden the mystery kind of goes away because Washington is the de facto number one pick minus the fact that the guy that would like is already gone. The, the Justin Fields thing is interesting. Like you would logically think they're going to move him, but if they don't, or if they're still debating, like, to what end? Like, are you going to take that all the way to day, the day of the draft? I guess you could, but then, right. or do you just be like, "Hey, we're keeping Justin. Number one pick is up for sale." Right. That's that's the move if you're Chicago. Like the, the thing that I've always said for Chicago is Caleb Williams has to go one. It doesn't have to be to you though. Like if you can get down to five or six and still get Marvin Harrison, Roma Dunze, or, or Malik Neighbors and put that guy with Justin Fields and DJ Moore, like, that's pretty formidable. Well, and, and this is the other thing, right? There's a world. This is the world I want to see. The Bears trade from one to two. Not because I want Caleb Williams Washington, but just from the Bears' perspective. They get all the stuff whatever Washington would give them. Then they go to New England, picking third, and said, hey, they, we got people, like, if, if New England walks one or the other, Right, we we, there, we got other people who are willing to move up. New England then does that, and then if they go crazy and say we still have Justin Fields, we're we're kind of okay with that. Let's trade again. Like they could have an, an insane haul. It's a yeah. rare opportunity for a team to be able to control not just one draft but multiple drafts to this degree. Yeah, I um, and by the way, they are also controlled last year's, which is why they're in the <laughs> position to do it this year. Um, I also have that like draft just dream that Washington can do that to New England and I pitched it to Field Yates who obviously is is very connected up in New England and he demolished it just took a sledgehammer to my dreams and I was like cool thanks Fields uh thank thanks for that uh so I'm not getting my hopes up but I am with you that I hope that Washington could do that same kind of thing and still get the guy that they ultimately want at three plus a little draft capital uh, ben Stanek from The Athletic is with us here on The Hoffman Show. The other big story that I feel like has emerged this week that I think you would have really interesting insight into is the Howell trade proposal, which at first I just blew off as like, that's crazy. But the more I think about it, it actually makes a lot of sense that if you're going to draft a quarterback that you'd want a more veteran QB in the room. Now, you also have, you know, assistant quarterbacks coach and David Blau, who is in some ways is that. You kind of bring him in as a coach, but it's not the same when it's a coach versus a player. Do you think, like, what is Sam's value, do you think, around the league? And, you know, as much as we want to say, like, oh, he's better than Trey Lance, so we should get a higher draft pick in return, like, what's the scenario where someone would actually give up some major draft capital for Sam Howell? You know, Obviously, the the season imploded the way that it did. But when yes. they were four and five, or you know, when he when he helped them beat New England, and obviously New England not good either. But whatever. Right. The, the know, last time they won a football game, when right. we last met our heroes, <laughs> right, exactly. But like at that point, I was like, okay, we have seen enough. 
or I could say you could go into next season with Sam Howell. Maybe he's the answer, maybe he's not. But you can go into the season thinking there's more here to get to. Yep. And then they lose eight in a row, and all of a sudden they're picking two. And because of that, I think we've just all sort of moved on. Like, okay, well, clearly all of these guys are going to be viewed better than him. And that's the case. That doesn't change, though, that Sam Howell still is intriguing. Now, we, you know, we've all had the, qu- the question of well, what fell apart last year, was it? Sam Howell, the, the league figured him out. Was it Eric Bieniemy's offense? Was it because the defense was just such a mess? Everybody knew they were all going to get fired, whatever it was. I think there are teams who still th- think that Sam Howell is interesting, that they did see enough to say, okay, again, maybe he isn't the answer, but maybe at a minimum he's that higher-end backup. And, you know, I, I'm making this up, but, like, if you're a team like the Rams or the Jets, you've got older quarterbacks, you don't need them to play. You can do the right. development thing, but but a, but also like if your guy, which like Stafford, Rams is the team I brought up earlier this week, doing this hypothetical because Stafford gets hurt every year, and if you're battling the Niners and the Seahawks, and and you know we'll see what the Cardinals are this year, but you're battling those teams in the division, or you're battling for a wild card spot, going two and one in a three game stretch where Stafford is hurt versus one and two could be you in or out of the playoffs. A hundred percent. That's the thing. He you know. Sam Howe showed Lester he's not afraid. He showed a lot of toughness, right? Because, you know, all those sacks, he never missed any time because of injury. Uh, so I think there's, I think he does have value. And, you know, this draft, you get past the top five guys, you know, maybe there's like a six in sort of the middle rounds that, for Washington's perspective, we're just kind of not paying attention to. But same deal every year. You're taking a complete flyer on guys, and it's, it, you're taking flyers on the guys who even at number one. But in terms of just being able to play in the league, it, 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 the diminishing returns comes goes over time. Think about the Sam Howell's draft. Desmond, it's, I don't want to, Ben. <laughs> well, it's terrible. But it's something. But Desmond Ritter is already basically kind of out the tour simming. Pittsburgh is Kenny Pickett, the guy that they, they didn't even put him back in the lineup last year with Mason Rudolph. Right. Matt Corral has already been uh, cut. The obviously yeah. Brock Purdy. He's still in the league. I don't know. I don't. I don't either. Um, yeah, Purdy. But, Purdy worked out. You know, Bailey Zappi is sort of in that howlish range of like, yeah, he's shown some stuff, but who knows? Um, but yeah, so like you just, you know, the fact that he's already, he's not proven, but you can already say, okay, I think Sam Howell can play in this league. And that's not something you can say definitively about a lot of guys. So that's why I do think he has some value. And as much as like I was saying last year, I wish they would have traded Jacoby Brissett at the deadline, not because I don't like Brissett, but because he knew he wouldn't be around. Like it's no lock he would be here. So just get value for you can but the argument was no no no. we want that veteran guy in the room okay well so if that is a value sam howell is not going to be helping right Jaden daniels or drake may like, right and i feel like it's i mean i feel like it's extra awkward with may oh, because awkward. they've shared a room before like i mean they're they're friends but i actually don't know that that's the best thing for for either of them um last thing for you uh, ben standing with us here on radio row uh, of course, from the athletic, uh, doing great work all week. Uh, very busy man. Uh, although today, today is not quite as busy for you. Thank God. Today's your recovery day in the middle of the week before the workout starts. There, there's no, there's no, uh, yeah, no Peters, no Quinn talking today. There's literally a literal handful of coaches and GMs talking. So not much on that. Players, some of them went this morning. More tomorrow. But yeah, today is all right. Where are we at? Let's figure yeah. out. Let's, what, let's talk to What people. day is it? Which way is up? Why did the temperature drop 30 degrees? Oh, uh, for real, though. Yeah, I, I might have to get into the weather uh, here in Indianapolis later on in the program. I was I was very upset when I looked at the forecast <laughs> last night. Uh, but I want to wrap up. Uh, free agency uh, a couple weeks away now. Rumors start to fly. Things start to fly here. And, uh, you know, Quinn and, and especially Peters the other day were basically like, we're not going to spend big money. And I'm like, you got to spend big money. You have so much of it. 
what what do we think that this free agent class ultimately generally speaking looks like for washington so we know the needs right put quarterback aside both lines uh linebacker tight end are you replacing curtis samuel are you replacing antonio gibson are you replacing cam curl kendall fuller so they have a ton of needs i mean that's that goes without uh, without saying i think the position i'm most intrigued by is the edge rusher because as we know they traded away yes montez sweat chase young and everybody else is a free agent so other than K.J. Henry and Andre Jones, they literally have nothing at that spot, and that's not nearly enough. This draft, though, is considered to be fairly weak at this spot. Once you get, like, for where they're picking in the second round, they, they may be having to take a big reach on anybody just to pick at 36 and 40. So that leads to the question of, well, do you address this in free agency? Now, the guy who's arguably the number one free agent is Brian Burns from Carolina. It seems like they may tag him. Yeah. I mean, Dan Morgan, their GM, basically said as much the other day. He's like, if it comes to that, we'll do it. It's like, oh, cool, thanks. Uh, thanks for letting us know he's not going to be on the market. Right. So so to that end, like, I don't know what they do at that spot. And that's why you wonder, like, a guy like a Bry- uh, Bryce Huff with the Jets yeah. who had, you know, like a lot of sacks while playing in a backup role. Do they, it, it feels like if they're going to spend on one spot, that's the one I do kind of wonder about. Again, they need offensive line. We all get that. But the way the draft projects, they will have options in the second round. Like guys who people are pretty excited about. Um, same thing with you know with, with cornerback. Uh, if they wanted a receiver, which I wouldn't take one in the second round, but okay, that's a yeah. Play. There's a ton of them. But the the, the the edge rusher though, and and here's the thing, right? If you got if you if you could figure out a a, a, a real edge rusher to go with Allen and Payne, say you then bring back James Smith Williams, who was the starter for the majority of that 2022 team that was a top 10 defense, all of a sudden your line could look pretty good. And then of yeah. course the line makes everything else look better. So it, it, it is a position where it, to me, it kind of makes sense to spend in part because again, the draft is maybe not where you're going to get a lot of help. Yeah. It's, there's a couple guys in the draft that are interesting, but the chances that they dropped and you know, some of those guys are having really good, like whatever this season is really good combine seasons. Like Darius Robinson out of Mizzou is right. like the guy that Logan is in love with. And he's like, Every every person that sits down in that chair that's a draft guy, I'm like, is Darius Robinson going to make it? They're like, no. I didn't even ask some of the guys today because I just I know at this point, like, prepare to be disappointed at 28 when he goes. But, he's not making it until 36. But you're right. Him, Chop Robinson from yeah. Penn State. Those are like the two guys that I feel like are sort of the yeah, how early, if they go earlier, then Washington's going to have a much harder time to get help. If they stay right. there, then they could be the guy. Right, for sure. All right, Ben Standing, anything in particular you're working on this week that you think people uh, should know? There's a lot of, like, notebooks and kind of if you want Ben's take on all the big commander storylines, it's there on The Athletic. Yeah, I mean, I'll quarterback, I mean, I wrote about what Peters had to say already, and, yeah, certainly it's going to be a lot of of the quarterback stuff, but I'll talk about all the various topics on the podcast. So we'll get in there somewhere, but uh, I I, my editor would like to know what I'm writing next. I can't even tell him yet. All right, well, I'll I'll take that. (laughs) Uh, Check the Standing Room Only podcast, and then eventually if Ben and his editor uh, come to an agreement, you can read his work in The Athletic. When we get back, Lance Zerline, NFL Network. He's a big, big Jaden Daniels guy. Find out why next. Zoffman Show, we're on the Team 980. We're always live as well on the free Odyssey app here in Indianapolis on Radio Row, streaming live on YouTube as well at the Team 980. We see Lance Zerline, uh, whose work, I, Lance, when I've been teasing you coming on this week, I've said you've read Lance's work whether you know it or not. Now, some people <laughs> might read your mock drafts and stuff, but if you go to NFL.com and read like the player bios, that's you. 
that's me. And some people will aggregate it. Some people will quote it in articles, and they'll say from NFL, NFL.com rates this guy. Well, I do. I don't necessarily speak for Daniel Jeremiah or, or anyone else, uh, although the, if they were smart, they would just You clearly speak for the entire league, the league office, yeah, right? Exactly. That's you got the shield so, on the shirt. Yeah, yeah. Uh, no, it, it's it's always been great. I think you always do such a good job of kind of laying out the pros and the cons of different players, and, and that insight's always really helpful for those of us that are playing catch-up who spend our, our, most of our days covering the NFL during the year. and then It's, it's hard like, oh. to transition from NFL to college. Yeah. Man. It's a... It's a quick turnaround. It is, for sure. So uh, the other uh, thing that, that people might not know, unless they've read your latest mock draft, is that you, sir, are now all of a sudden an exception when it comes to the Washington Commanders and that second overall pick. Everyone has seemingly swung back to Drake May, but your latest mock that I saw had Jaden Daniels going to two. Are you generally a Jaden guy over a Drake guy? Are you a, I think it's a better fit? Like, why why no, I'm why a Jaden guy over two? a Drake guy. Okay. I just think the tape, I listen to the tape, and, I don't think that Cliff Kingsbury would, would dislike either one of those quarterbacks, but I think the polish, uh, we're talking about a five-year starter in Jaden Daniels. He's just more polished. I think he's worked out some of the kinks over his five years. He is a legitimate dual-threat quarterback and the rare dual-threat quarterback that is you know about as talented throwing the ball as he is running the ball. Most of them skew towards the run over the pass. He's that guy that kind of balances it out. So, you know, if he was 220-some-odd pounds, I think we'd be talking about Jaden Daniels potentially as the number one pick. But he's not. He's a thin guy, so you have to work through him being a runner and who leaves the pocket a little quickly sometimes and, and doesn't always slide. So you, you have to work through that. But I think Cliff Kingsbury will take a look at Jaden Daniels and what he does as a passer, and I think he'll, I think he'll come away with a favorable review. Drake May has a lot of talent. And a lot of traits, but there's still, I mean, there's still work to do with touch, with accuracy, and that bothers me a little bit when you're throwing in space to moving targets. You need to be able to throw with better ball placement and especially better touch. Yeah, it seems like his footwork gets a little sideways sometimes too. He just loses it for stretches of games mm -hmm. where Daniels seems to be a little bit more on time. I, I've tended to be more of a Jaden guy throughout this process um, as well. And, and the, the one thing that I think also a lot of people poke holes in that I'm curious to, uh, to get your take on is the lack of throws over the middle of the field. It's so important in the NFL. And I'm like, well, if I had you know, the two dudes that Jaden's got on the outside, I'd be, yeah. I'd be throwing it out there too. Do you see enough of that on tape, though? Do you see enough of the, the stuff over the middle of the field that it doesn't bother you? you got to remember, I use a program where I tie my – I've got, you know, um, the quadrants of the field. So I, I've got intermediate throws. So I will go – one of the first things I do will take all the intermediate throws. So I'll look at everything from 11 to 20. And I look at, at all five sections outside the numbers uh, from the hash. Right, to numbers, the numbers to hash, and then, hash, and then to hash, hash to hash. And then so I look at all five. So I'll look at all those throws. So whether he did it a lot or not, I'm going to go look at all the, the throws he did make. Mm -hmm. And those are some of the throws that bother me. Um, he left a lot of throws behind wide receivers, throws that need to be completed. They're not the hardest throws. He he struggled on some some shorter throws with with. Um, you know, taking a little pepper off of his throws. And so for me, it's, it's, those are pro throws, in my opinion. Those are the anticipation throws you get. Those are the throws where you're getting crossers and dig routes where you have a little smaller window to work with. you got to be able to work between linebackers and safeties. And I think it's one of the reasons I gave uh, Drake May a boomer bust grade is that, you know, I, I, I don't see it enough right now, but it's not that he can't do it. If he does do it well, He's got a chance to really boom. And like what about, he's, he's got yeah. a lot of talent, but the floor is a little lower on him. 
What about for Jaden in that that intermediate area? Jaden's not. It's not a problem for him. Now he had some special wide receivers with Brian Thomas Jr. and um, uh, Malik Neighbors. He actually had three really good wide receivers. So he had a lot of talent to work with, more so than Drake May did. And that's a legitimate, you know, that's a legitimate focus that someone could make. That some could make is that like. Josh Allen, who anytime there's a, a big guy who has accuracy issues, just, oh, Josh Allen, he'll be fine, Josh Allen. Right. Josh Allen's like one of one. Right. Him and Cam, I guess, are the only two that really fit that mold. But um, Jaden Daniels, I saw throw with good anticipation between, you know, in the zones. I thought he did a nice job of getting through his progressions with with pretty good pace, which is something that I didn't always see from Drake May. And I think on tape he was clearly the much more polished quarterback. Now, if we're going to draft everyone based on who they are right now, Jaden Daniels goes ahead of Drake May. But I'll be the first to admit, it doesn't really work that way with a lot of teams. <laughs> right. They want to know who you're going to be in three to five years, not right. who you are right now. Right. Uh, Lance Erline is with us, of course, NFL Network analyst. You can read his work at NFL dot com has some other cool stuff going that we'll tell you about here in just a second um when it comes what to do you like watch you obviously watch these guys yeah let me turn the tables on you okay when you're watching players for for washington first thing i do for a mock draft is i got to go find team needs and i typically look at fan sites in newspapers locally because they're going to have the better feel than me looking at a roster uh, i also look at you know also, teams, I look at future cap implications because that does play into some drafts. Sure. But when you look at Washington this year, I assume you're looking at quarterback. Who are your next two positions that you're looking at? Uh, it's the trenches, and it's on the edges in the trenches. It's tackle, it's edge. And that's, that's, that's kind of a thing that I've, I've started to think more about this draft. I wonder, do you try to go for one of each at 36 and 40? Do you think the gap is big enough? And I'll turn the question back around to you that I've, I've answered it, uh, yours. Uh, but is, is like a Tyler Guyton worth trading up for and you go two for one there where you package 36 and 40 to get back into the back end of the first round for a tackle or, or something, whether if you don't like Guyton, someone else in that range. Nims. Or do you go, yeah. hey, we're going we're gonna to take the best edge available at 36 and the best tackle available at 40 and we'll live with the, with the results there. So it's a precarious spot. It's great to have those picks because you could package them up and move up. There's no question a team would – love to take those off your hand it would probably be you know it probably wouldn't just be two seconds to move into the first it might you know involve a team giving you back a fifth or something like that but sure. hey we'll, you know, take, we'll take more picks well so here's my thing you got some really special pass rushers in this draft there's there's uh four or five of them in the first round that i get excited about and there's six offensive tackles i get excited about so if you could somehow take those second round picks and you, know, you almost can't get out of the quarterback draft. You almost have to take that quarterback at two. You're stuck. You could trade out, but you'd have to have some balls to do that because and you'd have to really love, for example, maybe a J.J. McCarthy, and you right. say, we're going we're gonna to gamble. Or you just don't like any of them. Yeah. And, and you're like, hey, this is a wild card anyway. I'm not, I, whichever one I get, I get. Well, you, you can't – so you can't just draft a quarterback because you need one because, as Brian Billick once told me, as soon as you draft a quarterback in the first round, it doesn't matter if it's two or 22, immediately – the clock starts ticking on your job, whether you're a general manager or a head coach, because you got to develop that guy into the next guy. And if you don't believe in a player, you get stuck with them. Look at the, the Pittsburgh Steelers are now stuck with Kenny Pickett, and he may turn into a good quarterback this year, but he's going to get a third year. So you now are, are, are kind of stuck with a quarterback for at least two, and in most cases three, and in some cases four years. And Chicago's sitting there thinking, man, do we want to go through this 
the, and try to figure out, is this the year Justin finally does it? Every single step, you get closer to a fifth-year option, which is much more expensive, and then have to make a decision on a second contract. So if you don't love your quarterback that you're going to draft, now I think at two they will, but if you don't love your quarterback, you really shouldn't, you really shouldn't pass up a good football player for a guy that you don't really love. You're passing up a guy much higher on your board for a guy at a position of need. That doesn't work out well usually, and it definitely doesn't work out at the quarterback where there's a historic you know, miss rate. So if, if I'm telling you, okay, they, they're going to go the two swings in the second round. Yeah. Uh, you th- which of those? I think you said I'd six rather tackles, get into. So I'd or? rather get into. I'd rather get. You know, the first thing I'd want to do is see if I could move thirty-six into the first and and take tackle or pass rush if one fell beyond twenty-three at Texas. Uh, I mean, with the Texans, okay. I'd want to do that, and then I'd love to see it if I could. I don't know how many draft picks Washington has this year. Many. And they got five in the top 100. I mean, so. five in the top 100. Listen, I'm playing games with my first three picks. I'm going to get three guys that are – what I would do with my top five – with my five picks in the first 100, I'm looking to get a pass rusher, a tackle. And if that means three in the first round, you don't love it from a future cap implication standpoint in, in, in four to five years. But I also am getting really good football players, and I'm getting big-time core players. You don't see teams make, you know, three – picks in the first round very often um but i would definitely consider moving 40 up into the first round for a tackle and then sitting there at 36 and see when i get it at the, at the edge rush so yeah I'm, I'm using my draft capital and i'm going to get the first three picks i want to be longtime starters for my team yeah and i, I tend to think that that's the way that adam peters wants to build it too um but well you look at the san francisco model i mean yeah. you always have to look at where they came from and he you know, he covets rush. He covets D-line um, playmakers. So I wouldn't rule out playmakers for this team because, you know, one thing Cliff Kingsbury is going to want are guys, and there's certain guys that fit. Uh, you can you can look at Pat. You could look at wide receivers in the second round. I mean, you could go. They could sit tight and look at Lad McConkey, Roman Wilson, uh, Ricky Pearsall from Florida. I mean, there's a lot of different uh, Javon uh, uh, Burton, I mean Javon Baker from UCF, and then Jermaine Burton from Alabama. There's a lot of guys, Adonai Mitchell, that Cliff would probably love to have with his quarterback. So that's another position that you could totally. say quarterback, wide receiver, and then best of tackle edge. And with and with this class of wide receiver, if all the the edge you know trench guys are gone, you feel good that there's going to be a bunch of wide receivers. Second, there. third round, great depth at for wide sure. receiver. For sure. Lance Zerline, of course, uh, NFL Network analyst. You can see Lance on Combine today, which streams on YouTube and the NFL's Fast Channel Thursday to Sunday, one hour prior to NFL Network's coverage each day. Lance, this was great. Uh, hopefully we'll connect in the future. Appreciate you. And uh, thanks for stopping by here on Radio Row. Appreciate it. Thanks. Enjoy the draft. Thank you. We continue from Indianapolis next. This is the Hoffman Show on the Team 980 and the Odyssey app. It's the Hoffman Show. We're on the Team 980. We are always live as well on the free Odyssey app. We are live on Radio Row in Indianapolis, Indiana, home, of course, of the NFL Combine. Uh, Nikki Javala from the Washington Post is making her way over. She will be with us 
coming up at five o'clock. Uh, Nikki uh, wrote a story with Mark Maskey this morning announcing the uh, end of an era. FedEx Field is no more. FedEx pulling its name rights or the naming rights to the stadium and an opt out clause that was triggered by the sale of the team. And they chose to exercise that clause. Nikki broke that story this morning. We'll get on the inside on that and uh, a little bit more on what we're about to talk about right now, which is the NFLPA player survey. Uh, first, first and foremost, we've had guests uh, these first bunch of segments. Anthony back in back in our D.C. studios uh, is is in fact back in our D.C. studios after some days off and. Hi. Hey, Craig. How are you doing? Uh, I'm, I'm doing good. I'm, I'm out here in Indianapolis, a place that you know very well. I do indeed. Uh, yeah, and you were, you were with Z the last couple of days. That's why he's not here. You're, you're not here. That's why you weren't there, is you were, you were celebrating Zaire. I was indeed celebrating Z4. And, uh, yeah, he's not an indie because he's actually back training. Like, he got back to work yesterday, I think. I gotta. I'll ask you off air who he trains with. I was. I'm curious because I know a bunch of the strength coaches and a bunch of them are out here. I'm also curious who he trained with pre-draft because um, in my head it might be one of the guys that I know real well. Um, but you know, we can talk about that off air. Anyway, um, and so I, I it was funny because I was thinking, I was thinking about this yesterday, and I was like, wait, I remember last year when that NFLPA survey dropped. It was at the combine, and sure enough, uh, you know, a day later out it comes again all of a sudden everyone's tweeting about it uh all morning this morning and i i just i this year like last year it was easy to just kind of laugh at it and be like yeah this is a huge problem and of course it's a huge problem because um you know it it's the ownership group and and they're in the middle of selling the team and like this just proves why they need to do it and can we get on with it like they there's so much to fix and this year it's like the votes were taken in october and so there has been renovations made to the stadium and the practice facility already since this happened. And they just announced a whole other round that's going to be done before the season starts. Um, and so some of this stuff, even by the time the players get there in April, is going to be done. Um, the you know Ron Rivera is getting ranked on this. So it's like head coach C. That's not a Dan Quinn ranking. That's a Ron Rivera ranking. And so, so much of this is, I, I think, like, my takeaway from this NFLPA survey where, if you haven't heard uh, and you just, just tuned in because we mentioned it in Trending, uh, the commanders ultimately, like, uh, on the, the composite ranking come in 32nd of 32 teams. Like, it's just a reminder of how much work there is to do. It's not at all actually a reflection on the current organization. My bad. Uh, I had to go get some headphones. Somebody moved my headphones. Oh, do they? Uh, were they sitting in the studio in, in like the, the the talk studio, the yes. host studio? Yeah, I saw those in there on Monday, the one day that I've actually been in the office the last three weeks. Um, and I was like, are those Ant's headphones? Because you haven't been there either. Yeah, people keep on touching my headphones, man. I don't appreciate it. Yeah, we're gonna have to. Should we just forget the segment and launch an investigation? <laughs> no, we don't have to do that because I already think I know who it was. But you know, I don't want to air him out. I do, Jeff. <laughs> Jeff Walker. How many times have we got to air you out on the radio? If you're gonna take Ant's headphones, put them back, please. It ain't it ain't that hard. Anyway, uh, because the speakers work in the studio, you you heard what I was saying. I think this is a reflection of of. How much work there is, not a reflection of the organization itself. Yeah, um, the fact that, you know, we got to put all this money 
into, you know, what's already been there is problematic, but it also seems to suggest that um, the next stadium, you know, I don't know if it's going to be in D.C., Maryland, Virginia, it's probably going to take some time because $75 million is not, I mean, is a lot of money. So I don't think you're just going to be investing all that money for a short period of time. Yeah, I mean, some of this money is for Ashburn. But even then, like, I I still don't think that long-term, like, Ashburn is necessarily going to be their home. Um, Mm. I know JP was talking about it this morning on on his show because I was sitting here as he was doing it, and then we were talking about it uh, in one of their commercial breaks um, as their their table is right behind us here on Radio Row. Um, But, like, that money or that land in Ashburn is worth so much money, right? It's a tech hub. It's right by the airport. There's a bunch of, like, really valuable wiring um, that that runs underneath there, like fiber wiring in that area, that for a specifically tech company would be immensely valuable. Like we're talking maybe a billion dollar parcel of land out there. And if you can go somewhere else, imagine what you can build for a billion dollars or for $500 million as a practice facility. Like you can either pocket or otherwise invest an extra 500 million, build something that's way nicer than the dump that you're you're in right now. Because the, the honest to God truth is, and I don't say this to be mean, I say this to be factual, that building sucks and there's just not a lot you can do with it. It's not a good piece of land. It's like on a hill, the whole deal. So why would you not go somewhere where you can build from scratch something else? And by the way, if you're going somewhere else, you can keep the current facility until you need it. Um, so, or while you're building, because the alternative is like you have to do it all in one off season, and so that's that's actually not ideal either. So I, I do think that ultimately moving out of Ashburn is is the right play. And then with FedEx, um, you know, we know that stadium is going to be something different here in the next couple of years, um, and, and you know the RFK. Uh, thing is moving its way through Congress right now. And so we'll see. But I do think that the $75 million uh, is a, a dedication by the the current ownership group to say, we are prioritizing getting better as soon as possible, even if this is a short-term investment, because it's worth it for our players and it's worth it, you know, in the case of FedEx, more so for our fans. And I think that says a lot about this group. Yeah, I think they're all in on the fan experience. And it's and they mentioned it um, in the article that, you know, fans will be able to recognize the differences as soon as they walk into, uh, you know, the arena. And even the parking lot, like, we'll be able to get in and out of the uh, the, the stadium because that's Hallelujah. also a, a huge problem when it comes to, you know, going to going to and from uh, FedEx. I was talking to somebody about that um, at the Burhalter thing when I went and interviewed uh, the U.S. soccer coach and, and some commanders folks were there because that, that game is at uh, what is now formerly FedEx Field. And I was like, you know, I, because I'm media, like my experience going in and out, the times I go to and from games, I just like hadn't experienced it like a like a everyone else does for a long time. And then we went for the Beyonce concert and I was like, this is terrible. Uh-huh. And so the fact that they've already fixed that is uh, are working on I think they cut like 30 minutes out of that if not more last season as the season went uh, statistically speaking and then obviously they're doing even more uh, coming up this offseason. Alright, Nikki Javala is here. Uh, we'll take a quick break come back with her. Uh, huge story today that she and Marky broke this morning about FedEx Field no longer being FedEx Field. How did that go down? Nikki has the answers next on the Hoffman Show on the Team 980 and always live on the free Odyssey app.